Hey listeners, it's Marty. Dan and I took the summer off, but now we're coming back. First with a brand new miniseries with brand new guests, and then all new episodes as we go back to the Andy Griffith Show for Season 5. We're already recording new episodes, and we'll be back in your podcast feed on a regular basis very soon. As a treat for waiting, here's one of our previously unreleased Patreon-exclusive episodes. At the request of one of our patrons, Dan and I had to sit through the disastrous Dana Carvey vehicle Master of Disguise, a movie so bad that even 9-11 couldn't make it any worse. Remember, if you want to support the show, torture us with garbage of your own choosing, and have access to all this Patreon-exclusive content, including extended editions and bonus episodes, go to patreon.com slash breakingmayberry. Now, enjoy, question mark, the master of disguise. He's a M-A-S-T-E-R of disguise. What you doing from your eyes? Oh, master, master of disguise. M-A-S-T-E-R of Hello and welcome to the Master of the Disguise podcast. Oh, immediate pain. Oh, immediate. <laughs> Are you tired of hearing the bad Italian accent already? Well, guess oh, what, sh- motherfuckers? This is the oh. whole goddamn movie. It's... You paid the money for these. Oh, God. Oh, I hate that. You're done. You're done doing that voice. 100%. Oh, that made my bones hurt. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, Patreon subscribers, I'm punishing you because you punished us. We I- talked about it like on the main podcast and you were like, don't talk about this because otherwise they'll make us listen to Master of Disguise. And I was like, what's the worst that could happen? How bad can Master of Disguise be? And like, I think at the 30 minute mark in this, I had to pause it and literally like hunch over my desk and just breathe heavily. Like, this is the worst thing we've ever watched. Pretty I, hands down. You know, we you're saying that. We also said that at the last bonus episode uh, with Family Dog. The dog torture cartoon, I think, might still be worse for me. <laughs> it's, it's a tight race. Uh, Joining us in studio today, you've heard his lovely dulcet tones and his whistling at the beginning and end of every episode of Breaking Mayberry. Finally joining us is Max Ludwig <laughs> on Twitch as Sleep Talkie, who actually streamed playing the Family Dog Super Nintendo video game. That's I right. There. I was there for That's that. That's correct. Yeah, so we were in the um, plug the Patreon Discord. Uh, everyone was, you know... I hadn't listened to the Family Dog episode yet, and uh, I saw some like Family Dog promotional uh, thing that someone posted, and it it awakened like a total flashback to just like very miserable era of television uh, where I was very young. Uh, so yeah, we, and that uh, also a miserable era of tie-in Nintendo platformers. It was like as we also discovered it was like the period where if there was a property you had to at least make a Game Boy Advance port of it. <laughs> you had to make a clunky platformer. Like you had to make a platformer with some kind of really weird movement control. In the in the family dog, it was that your jump was twice as high if you stopped moving for a second. 
That's insane. <laughs> it's like if you if your commercials had a mascot that appeared more than three times, Game Boy Advance game automatically. Welcome to the N sixty four port about the Noid. I was gonna say they're gonna uh, they came out with like the Game Boy Color version or the Game Boy Advance version <laughs> of other games that were just crappy platformers. That I got ripped off by Prince of Persia <laughs> Game Boy Advance. Where I was like, oh, that <laughs> game was sick. I played the game. Everyone talks about Prince of Persia now, and I get mad at the. I uh, let's take a step back. Uh, thank you for the wonderful introduction. <laughs> what are we uh, doing Marty. right now? I don't know. We got sidetracked immediately. We're avoiding talking about the Master of Disguise. No, I'm making us do this, all right? I want to thank Marty for coming in with the energy to make the episode as much of a miserable slog as the uh, movie uh, was. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Max. You you mistook that. That wasn't energy. That was energico. 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 <laughs> the movie has so many mechanics. It has so much lore and like so many elements at play for a movie that is basically like a like like 90 minutes. Like I definitely was at one point looking for more lore. We'll get into this later, but I was lore hunting and I ended up with a lot of dead ends, a lot of theories that uh, the listeners might need to pick up on. All right. So, so yeah, we are talking about the 2002 Dana Carvey video, Dana Carvey vehicle, the master of disguise, uh, a movie which has a 1% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And, absolutely shot dana carvey's career in the face you know what i we talked about this beforehand right we were like oh man dana carvey's career really suffered from this i feel really bad about this like i wish dana Car- after watching the master of the skies good yeah fucking good <laughs> that's right everyone involved with this movie deserves to like deserves some kind of punishment you can't make this fucking thing and then come back right no it it is basically like because they banked so hard on Dana Carvey being able to like just do funny characters and carry an entire movie on like wacky like dudes that he just pulls out of his ass and it fails so hard because there's very clearly points in the movie where they're like they didn't write anything they were like all right Dana Carvey is is Quint from Jaws right now and I'm sure something funny will come of that it felt like there was something missing. Like for some reason he could only do impressions of things that he had seen on TV. Like this one character that he does, <laughs> that's very clearly just an Al Pacino impression. It's very clearly just like, what yeah. if Al Pacino, but slightly racist. I think it's right to say that it's uh, depressing and that it's missing something. Um, Let's maybe get into the era and some of the people that worked on it. So it was written mm-hmm. by Dana Carvey. And do you guys know who the other guy was? What he did right before this? No. He had just come off a good success with Deuce Bigelow, male Gigolo. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. Yeah, so... And that was also the first success of Happy Madison Productions. Yeah. So this is this is absolutely Adam Sandler's uh, production company. Throwing his buddy mm-hmm. Dana a, a bone. I mean, I think it was basically this whole thing is an Austin Powers ripoff, more or less. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that 
I was going to bring that up later. This movie needs to be understood through the lens of Austin Powers. It's the dark side clone of Austin (laughs) Powers in a weird way. And I guess we can just get into this now. Imagine the timeline. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Wayne's World, SNL sketch, Mike Myers, and Dana Carvey. 1992, right? A full decade before this. The movie is a smash hit. Yeah. Um, The sequel is not. Mm-hmm. The two go their separate ways. And then Mike Myers does Austin Powers 1, smash hit. Oh, Austin Powers 2, yeah. smash hit. Shrek. Austin Powers 3 premieres five days before The Master of Disguise and brings in like over 300 million box office. So Mike Myers is living like, like did anyone else from SNL do that well in that like Eddie Murphy. span of time? I yeah. mean- Eddie Murphy definitely did did that well and better. Yeah, there's probably plenty. But, I mean, live in the dream. Mike I mean, Myers was living the dream, and Dana was in his dust. Like, like you, I don't think anybody on, from SNL has, like, dominated culture for a five-year period like Mike Myers did. Like, mm-hmm. Austin Power, you could not leave your house without someone saying, yeah, baby, at you. Like, you would go to the gas station and be like, oh, yeah, can I put uh, 20 on two? And they'd be like, yeah, baby, you absolutely can. That whole like generation of uh, SNLers had success story after success story, right? You had Sandler. You had Chris Rock. Even David Spade is doing better than Dana Carvey at this point. Yeah. And I think it's because, like, Carvey's whole thing was mimicry. Right, Carvey's mm. whole thing required there to be a target for him to play with. He only he only really had the one character, and that was Church Lady. I don't know how we never got a Church Lady movie from SNL. Um, I've heard about Church Lady. I have no fucking idea. Is it just yeah, a lady I, at church who's mean? Pretty much, yeah. It's it, it, it's it's an old lady talks about how people need Jesus, and she interviews celebrities like Sinead O'Connor and Madonna. Uh, I mean, he he really banked on people finding George H. W. Bush funny forever, which <laughs> did not pan out. Like, it, it, and it it really is like a testament to how fucking bad he fucked up with this movie that Adam Sandler didn't just make Dana Carvey one of his guys. Yeah. Like, by all accounts, Dana Carvey should just be like in the next Adam Sandler movie. He comes up, he plays a wacky character, he cashes a check. I mean, the, he's not the mo- even in Little Fucking Nicky. The like, most that Sandler has given him since then is like a small part in Hotel Transylvania. A yeah. voice part, so they don't have to be in the same room. Adam Sandler basically runs a non-profit for underwhelming SNL actors. I mean, like, say, say what you will about the Sandman. He takes care of his own. Yeah, he takes care of his crew. If you're in with with Adam Sandler, you're fucking in. You're set for life. Even if you are like a waste of space, like fucking Rob Schneider or David Spade, Sandler will find something for you to do and get you paid and let you spend a week in uh, Hawaii or wherever they're filming. Right? Like that's there... that's something that Sandler is good at. Is there any existence better than being a San- one of Sandler's guys? Like. You fly out to Aruba, you say, well, that happened four times or something, and then you make a million dollars. It is, it is, and I will take shit for saying this, the Gen X equivalent of being in the Rat Pack. Yeah. Like, Sandler <laughs> is that equivalent of being, like, of being Frank Sinatra, right? Like, if you're one of his guys, he'll fucking take care of you. 
uh unless i was i was looking this up right because uh i was watching the wedding singer the other day mm-hmm. which is a good movie uh, i was just looking up because there there were two guys that used to be in every single adam sandler movie one was alan covert uh who was in grandma's boy a movie i'm surprised at how much i like and the other guy i thought was bobby cannavale but it's not it's another italian guy his name is peter dante and yeah. you know him if you see him and I was wondering, why isn't Peter Dante one of Sandler's guys anymore? In 2013, Peter Dante was kicked out of a like hotel bar uh, by security for screaming racial epithets at a couple drunkenly. Uh, and when someone threatened him, he said, I'll have Adam Sandler kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> as, as hotel security dragged him out of a bar. And he has not been one of Adam's guys ever since. Oh, like, man. Like I, I imagine it was like a, like a mob kiss off. Like you have disappointed the Sandman. <laughs> I couldn't. Even, I would. The, San, the Sandman cannot have you in this operation anymore. <laughs> if you're gonna behave <laughs> like an idiot, it's. I wouldn't go to Adam Sandler out of that Rat Pack to kick someone's ass for it. No, that was exceptional. And I, no. Thank you. Can I get some credit for that? Yeah, that was that was, fan, that was fantastic. Um. Yeah, no, I wouldn't go to Adam Sandler to kick someone's ass for me. I would go to like Kevin James first. Are you oh, kidding, man, Kevin... it, Dan? Are if I told no, you no. that Adam Sandler wanted you dead, mm-hmm. well, you would not be afraid. What, you wouldn't be terrified. Thing. Would that you... be with his vast resources or his own physical body? Yeah, here's the thing. You don't know what, what Adam Sandler's body looks like, man. He's always wearing those giant fucking jorts like he's Kevin Smith. He always looks like he's wearing Kevin Smith's like fat pants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's because he's it's because he's hiding the fact that the Sandman is like four percent body fat, right? <laughs> Adam Sandler could destroy you. You know what? I, I actually no I don't want to go on record as saying that I could beat up Adam Sandler. I was about to be like I could kick Adam Sandler's ass, but I don't wanna I don't want to put no. that out into the universe. No, you, you 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 could easily beat up Rob Schneider. You could easily beat up David Spade. Uh, Kevin James probably has like the fat guy tough thing going on. Mm. Uh, if if Farley were alive, there's no way like there's no way you could fight Farley. Yeah, right. Like he's just a madman. Under all uh, the under you, all the fat, Farley was just pure muscle. The problem is Chris Farley comedian. cannot feel physical pain. Right, like he's like he's basically the Blob from X Men. Yeah. No, it's uh but I feel like Kevin James could kick the living shit out of me. He has that like that strong like uh like Lord of the Rings dwarf energy. But yeah, Schneider, Rob Schneider, I could beat up. Uh David Spade I could beat up. Chris Rock is a tough one. Max, could you beat I, up Chris Rock? I have never been in a fight in my life. Right. Uh so I feel it's like Chris- purely speculative. Uh-huh. Um, no, I think I would lose in a fight to all of Adam Sandler's boys. And I don't think I would be one of Adam Sandler's boys because he would look at me and he would know all my boys could probably beat this guy up. I think, I think that's the rule for being in the posse is you have to beat up one of the other guys and then you take their <laughs> why spot. Rob Schneider is still around. Yeah. No, because Rob Schneider is surprisingly scrappy. Like, everyone is always like, yeah, I can be in the crew. I, like, I just gotta kick Rob Schneider's ass. And, uh, and Adam Sandler's always like, oh, that was a mistake. You don't want to take on Schneider. <laughs> you, you yeah, want, no, Rob, take, Rob Schneider's the number two because he just, 
he kills people. <laughs> yeah. You 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 don't want you don't want none of Schneider. <laughs> okay, so should none. we get to the, uh, the anyway, order so of events not, in the movie? Who is not a member of of the Sandler pack is Dana Carvey. Um, That's right. Maybe he he lost the fight. Also, uh, I thought about it and uh, I could take Chris Rock, but I got to get that first punch in. One punch. Uh, Chris Rock's got a glass jaw, <laughs> yeah. right? Like Chris Chris Rock probably hits hard, but I don't think he can take a punch. But so. before we get into uh, the sequence of events, yeah. uh, just when you join, who cares? <laughs> when you join Adam we have Sandler's a project here, Marty, <laughs> timeline. When you join Adam Sandler's crew, uh, Rob Schneider is just like, "Hey, welcome, you're welcome." There's a mini fridge with drinks. I just want you to know, I'm the number two around here. All right, you want to <laughs> talk to Adam Sandler? You go through me, okay? Don't you ever undercut me with Adam, okay? <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, look. Or yeah. ordinarily, when we do these things, we go through the plot of a movie or a TV show scene by scene by scene. I, it doesn't fucking matter this time. Right. There's no logical transition from one event to another in Master of Disguise. Like, right. it is all just gibberish thrown together. Uh, and I want to point out, one of you said earlier that the movie is 80 minutes long. No, it is not. It is six. The, <laughs> the movie is 65 minutes long. <laughs> The movie is 65 <laughs> minutes long, and then there is 15 minutes of stuff during and after the credits to get it to that 80 minute like feature length. Yep. What the, the 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 deleted scenes of the credits hint at a much longer movie. What is like, like the percentage of movie to credits? Like I feel like it's gotta be like at least 20 percent of the movie is uh okay so 80 80 minutes of movie divided by 15 minute of credit let's do that the other way around like a person does math uh so yeah a full-on 18 percent of the movie is credits yeah (laughs) all right Uh, so max i want to let you just kind of like talk about your thoughts feelings and emotions on this film Okay. Max made a good point, though. This is definitely Dana Carvey trying to stick it to his old buddy, uh, his old buddy Mike Myers. Oh yeah. I think. And I'll just say one more fun fact I found out about the because I I was I when I was like I am really stupid and not Mm -hmm. a movie person at all. So I like had the realization like, and I love Austin. I love Austin Powers, or at least like I've been watching them on Netflix, and it's kind of like. Not sure if I love them or not, but I watch them. And uh, uh, I didn't realize that they were together. <laughs> I looked up Dana Carvey, Mike Myers beef, and then remembered that they were in Wayne's World together. But uh, wait, do, do Mike Myers and Dana Carvey have a beef? Is that a thing you discovered? Yeah, so Dr. Evil uh-huh. is an impression of Lorne Michaels. Suppos- that makes sense. Yeah. Supposedly oh, it was really. Dr. Evil yeah. was, and it was originally Dana Carvey's Lauren Michael impression with, I think Dana added the little pinky thing. He says the pinky to the lip. Yeah. And that wasn't actually a thing Lauren did. And Mike says it, it was a thing that Lauren did and that he admits it was a Lauren impression that they all did Lauren impressions. And then in like 2013, Dana Carvey went on Stern and he said, <laughs> You know, and this was like the first time it had ever been spoken about. He was like, you know, I was mad at Mike Myers for 20 years for stealing my Lorne Michaels impression to do Dr. Evil. 
but I forgive him. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the first time it, it was just open and closed all at once. Fuck. Um, <laughs> what a polite beating. Yeah. Like, my, okay, my, my, Mike Myers is Canadian. Is is Dana Carvey also Canadian? Because that sounds like a very Canadian beef. <laughs> that's that's so great to do a retroactive beef of like, hey guys, the beef you didn't know about is over. That makes Austin Powers better, so much better. The <sighs> the movie, by the way, Master of Disguise is directed by a guy named Perry Andalyn Blake. Yes, uh, that Max like found his home address and phone number and. <laughs> Like just like searching very, very plain. Like we we thought about calling him. Yeah, we, we we were like, should we just email this guy and get him on the show? I uh, I almost emailed him about some runes. I was I had I have still have some. I might still do it. I still have some questions about these runes, but we'll get into that a little more later. Oh, we so, should okay, totally so, uh, do. We should totally email him about the runes. Um, he's never directed anything else. He directed like one TV show, but the, his his deal is. He's a production designer. He's a set guy. He's a set designer. Yeah. More specifically, he's the set designer for all of Happy Madison stuff. He's like Adam Sandler's go-to guy for this. And like the set design on this is kind of neat. That's like the one whimsical thing I like about this mm. is that the production design is fun. I like the look of the the lair that they call the nest. I like the opening credits uh with the flip book that does a bunch of different mm -hmm. uh like images uh in different costumes i like the production design of this i'll i'll say that that's the one thing i can give it that's interesting yeah i feel it, like there's it, a lot of good like secret labs yeah. and uh yeah the, things like it, that the, the, it's a very tactile piece. movie like i want to touch all the stuff in the movie the set the sets are good it's just he, he is the only director i've ever seen to not have a wikipedia page which is <laughs> insane because if you make like the student movie like the heart of the condor's tears they'll link to your wikipedia page of like kyle stevenson is a senior at nyu's film program like do you think he knows you can just write your own i it's that's the craziest thing like about this one of the craziest things about this fucking movie is like the director is somehow like still a fucking nobody like if you direct a movie you are like like you get some fucking cred even if it's like a super shitty one yeah i get the feeling he's just kind of chilling he's just kind of he's he loves production design it it makes me think of a lot of like stories in my head you know like maybe dana carvey wanted this movie made and and adam sandler wasn't that into it and you can kind of see that like this budget was way smaller i think than the happy madison productions before and after so i i kind of get the feeling that from the beginning like you know oh why don't we let perry direct a movie yeah. and everyone's like what <laughs> perry and we're like yeah he'll do great and everyone loves perry and everyone is having a good time on set and dana carvey's you know yakking it up he gets his w in there everyone wanted him to do his w so they get you know like 10 minutes of post-credits footage of him doing his w and everyone's having a good time and then they accidentally release uh what a lot of people call the worst movie ever made up there like i went in thinking i was gonna have a really high tolerance for this movie because mm -hmm. like I, I watch like elvira and shit i watch a lot of dog shit movies this one broke me it is just an absolute onslaught of bullshit mike nelson mike nelson of mystery science theater 3000 fame 
a man who has seen a lot of bad movies called this one of the top three worst movies he'd ever seen. Uh, I would actually, Dan, you said you went in thinking you were going to have a high tolerance for this movie. I'll do you one better. I have a a quote uh, from your uh, Facebook message you sent me. Uh, I have a theory that it's good. Yeah, I thought it was going to age well. I like to rat rat Dan out. Yeah, (laughs) those Facebook messages are private about this one. No, Dan, I I, I'm with you though because I I was locked in. I'm like, what if it turns out that like I I become the like contrarian on this? What if I turn out to be like the biggest master of this guy's fan? (laughs) And by the end of the first scene, I was like, that's not fucking happening. Right. I yeah, I was like, I think this will maybe this has aged like fine wine, and it'll be like, and it'll be like not that bad. And it absolutely blue i feel like an asshole for having said that so let's let's talk about the plot of the master of the skies Mm -hmm. right as 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 little as it is uh the plot of the master of the skies is that uh there is a family with an ancient secret this this family has been has the ability to tap into some kind of energy in the world and put on amazing disguises and they have been doing this for centuries uh and they do it to protect art or something, protect the world from thieves or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, They're counter art thieves, basically. Yeah, I, this would number one. Okay, how do we fix the master of the skies? Number one, make them thieves. Yeah, that's oh, so much cool. So much man. cool. <gasps> that would have been do, do do a fucking Sly Cooper thing, yeah. and this is just like a family of thieves. All right, so that's that's way number one to fix this. So, and the premise is that. Jo- James Brolin's character Fabrizio decided to retire and he has kept the disguise secret from his son Pistachio Disguisey mm-hmm. Dana Carvey who has struggled to get or to fit in because he always wants to mimic people and he always wants to be doing imitations because of the natural desire within him to be a disguisey. Uh, but he is called to action when his mother and father are kidnapped by uh, Brett Spinner? Some guy, Spiner? By Brent Data Spiner, from Star Brent, Trek. No, by Data. Data. <laughs> oh he god, that's Data! That's Holy Data shit! Data from fucking Star yeah. Trek, Max! Ah! Uh, yeah! yeah. With the evil, worst goatee you've ever seen. The absolute... It looks like it was drawn on with pencil. It's absolute garbage. So he's kidnapped by a guy named Devlin Bowman, played by Data from Star Trek. Hmm. Uh, they kidnap his parents, and so now with his the help of his grandfather and some hot chick, uh, he must now go use his disguise abilities, learn how to use his disguise abilities to save his parents from some... Uh, Alright, yeah. point one I want to raise. Pistachio Disguisey. Worst character ever. Uh, right. wh- how He's... old is he supposed to be? How so old here, is this is character? Dana, okay, here's another question. Is Dana Carvey wearing a wig? As when he's, Are those his real bangs? That is genuinely hard to say. Like, that it looks like shitty human hair. Like, it, it's so bad. I could see so, Dana Carvey having wig-like hair. He yeah. has that vibe. So P- Pistachio himself is one of the most irritating fucking characters <laughs> yeah. put to film and you're you're right to ask why how old is he supposed to be dan because like the the movie says that he had trouble fitting in because he always wanted to mimic mimic people 
that doesn't explain why he's the most irritating little fucking weirdo on the planet. He's <laughs> deeply upsetting. And, it, and it, 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 it really does play the Gomer Pyle level of just like, what am I supposed to think this character is? Yeah. Am I supposed to think this character is dumb? Because this character has the mind of a four-year-old. Yeah. Like, he doesn't seem to have cognizant abilities of what's going on. And for some reason, he played him, like, that Italian accent I did at the very beginning, like, that was that is how pistachio speaks and i'll tell you something the italians should riot <laughs> it's like all right because his italian accent i think i think they're going for like like a thick italian accent but he sounds like a fucking hobbit like he's he's not saying like broken english he's like like oh you you car the honk honk room machine like he talks like a weird interdimensional traveler that doesn't know what anything is. Yeah. Like he, it's not, it's not even like a, an Italian accent. He, if, if pistachio disguise, just said words in the sequence that they were meant to be said, the movie would be 45 minutes because (laughs) (laughs) so much of the runtime is just him. Like someone saying like, we, we need to go to the bathroom. And he's like, ah, yes, the room of baths, let us away. And that's like half the fucking joke. Yeah, like I could listen, I could listen to Mike Myers scream things at me in his awful British accent forever. And it'd always be fun. I'd always be having a good time. But Pistachio's voice really, it, it sets this tone that the whole movie feels like walking through thigh deep mud. Yeah, I'll tell you, it, it gave me a new respect for Adam Sandler, right? And mm. I know we keep going back to Sandler as a reference point, but a grown man acting like a 12-year-old, right, or acting like a child, that is a thin wire to walk and make it tolerable for an entire movie. And that was a lot of Sandler's shtick, and he kind of had, and, and, and especially in the 90s, he had at least some level of charisma and screen presence to pull it off, you know, and make it so that you didn't want to reach through the television and strangle him and, and, and just cause physical pain with Dana Carvey does not have that quality. And this is him trying to do that. And he doesn't, he, he, he can't pull it off. Being a grown adult comedian acting like a little boy is like the ultimate crucible that every ambitious SNL comedian will face. Like, <laughs> Martin Short tried it with Clifford. Uh, not an SNL comedian, but Robin Williams tried it with Jack. Dana Carvey tried it with Master of Disguise. And Adam Sandler is the only one that succeeded in I'm an adult man tr- pretending to be a little boy. Yeah, even Steve Martin like can't do it in that one really terrible scene of the otherwise very good Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. You never, yeah. want to see an adult man pretend to be a little boy. It's never going to be fun. I, I do want to point something out about this movie, right? The, the whole reason we're talking about this is because Dan mentioned on our podcast that the turtle club scene was being filmed on 9-11. Did you guys mm-hmm. watch that scene and try to guess the exact moment that the <laughs> first plane hit? Well, is that, did film, anyone else do that? Filming would have been probably out of order in the, <laughs> in the location, but you could probably pick out, I think, which shots... Uh, yeah, <laughs> you could see the knowledge in people's eyes. I think the moment where Dana Carvey tried pretended to retreat within his shell. I think that's when the second plane hit. 
very good good opportunity for me to quote one of the negative reviews on Rotten Tomatoes from Matt Singer of Screen Crush, who writes, In a 40-year career in horror, David Cronenberg never dreamed up an image as chilling or stomach-churning as Dana Carvey playing a human turtle. <laughs> they- uh, yeah, I think this is the only good disguise in the movie it's fun to look at he, he can do the lip thing so well yeah like dana carvey can be be a turtle far too well so i'm gonna give him that one but it I... kind of does highlight exactly what marty was saying of like what is this character supposed to do because they have yet to have a thought or accomplish anything the plot is just happening like in spite of them <laughs> just screaming at everything around them you know you know what the whole thing is it's that i think you should leave sketch where he screams uh at the the game show mascot (laughs) figure (laughs) out what you do right it's it's kind of the yeah it's like the patrick starification of everything it's like how did okay but like how did this character get out of the house like, how did they dress themselves? Yeah. Like... No, exactly. And, and and this is this is Gomer Pyle in a nutshell, right. too, right? It's like there's there's a limit between dumb guy and like I am afraid that this guy needs help doing basic like living functions. Where like, but that's but not funny. And the you can get some humor out of like dragging it, but like the whole thing and and a lot of bits from a from a comedy nerd angle i wrote a a note i i wrote down was that they just they did this bit completely joylessly yeah it it was completely like smooth pacing wise like there was like two or three punchline like i don't know everything is just so like delivered in a way that uh they don't need to put any spin or panache they just need to throw it over the plate like as clean as possible and take a victory lap. It's cynical. It's cynical. They use Mm -hmm. all like the most like tried and true kids movie uh, bits. Like someone yells, let's party as Abraham Lincoln. And like, like, and then everyone starts dancing, which is like a fucking like old kids movie, like go to there's someone, every movie had to have, uh, I like to move it, move it. Yeah. At that point. Uh, if you there there are a couple of bits here that like I look at them and I think this should be funny. Yeah. In another movie, because I like dumb comedies, mm-hmm. right? This the the thing that I kept coming back to was the Michael Keaton movie Johnny Dangerously, mm-hmm. where oh. uh, where Keaton plays kind of a bumbling character who gets himself involved in mob organizations, and it's supposed to be a parody. It's supposed to be a joke. Uh, and there are all these bits. And I kept thinking about that. And I'm like, why is this funny here? Or I was thinking about uh, Hot Shots. Yeah. You know, or any of the like par- dumb parody movies of the 80s and 90s. And that feels like in a, a correct tone. There's one scene, right? Pistachio is talking to his new assistant, Lady Hot Chick. I'm not going to. Actress's name is Jennifer Esposito. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says she looks at, at a cigar. She says, I used to date a guy who smoked these. And he he went to a place called the Turtle Club. And Pistachio takes the cigar. He stares at it. In his brain, there's a flashback to her saying, I used to date a guy that smokes these. He went to a place called the Turtle Club. And then he says something like, do you remember when you told me that thing about the guy who you used to date that smokes these? And went, That should be funny. 
Like that's an okay gag. Yeah. And I think as as Max pointed out, like it's delivered with such boredom and disdain almost. Like that's what I always I feel like. It it feels like there's a lot of and justifiably, there's a lot of disdain for the material from everyone. But fuck you, Dana Carvey. You wrote this shit. Yeah. <laughs> like you you don't get to not like it. <laughs> it was one hundred percent written for the dumbest children like and it's, it's, okay it's, it worked though uh, i, I I'm, liked it I, my, i'm the um i'm birth year 1996 and i chatted with a couple of my friends about this movie and everyone is like oh yeah i don't really remember anything from that movie but i know i had a dvd of it and we watched it all the time and the kids we would, and actually, one of my friends said that uh, she put it on four times in a weekend, and then she found the disc broken in half on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it is—it's designed for, I think specifically fourth and fifth graders, the shittiest period of your life, right? Mm-hmm. Fourth and fifth graders are the worst kids, uh, and they are the ones who will latch onto a catchphrase or something silly that they see in a trailer. In fact. I've some of the moments from this I remember distinctly from the trailer, and then they get adapted and repeated by children over and over again. Bits like uh, "I'm going to be a master of disguise," I'm going, yeah. and 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 the like where he's clapping with his hands. This is what you're doing, and this is what I want you to do. That shit was designed to be repeated on playgrounds across America. Mm-hmm. Who's your daddy? Yeah, and then a "Who's your daddy?" slapping thing. Like it's just it's just catchphrase after catchphrase after catchphrase. Uh, with no real sense and then and that's fine that's also fine but then you want to go ahead and throw like if this is for nine-year-olds fine but then you do an extended parody of jaws you do, <laughs> yeah. an, extended, you do an extended bit where, where dana carvey becomes jaws or becomes quint from jaws out of nowhere uh, and it's it and it's it's not even like you can say oh they threw in a joke for the parents right because it doesn't make fucking sense <laughs> in context well, you know I, uh, I'm not gonna laugh just because I see Quint from Jaws so I was reading a great blog called the master of uh, the master of disguise um, and he wants he he did a write up on the DVD commentary and the impression I got from that is that the uh, only joke that Perry Andalin Blake understands is an over-the-plate movie reference. <laughs> he just like points it. He's like, "I did Exorcist," and I was like, "Yeah, Perry Andalin Blake, you did do Exorcist." So there's so the the longest and worst jokes are just like cinematography and like like the Jaws reference is horrible and like a ton of the movie like. And I think this there, is this is I, one thing where they went they went bad with Austin Powers is because Austin Powers does good reference and parody of like the James Bond genre and kind of the broader action genre. So Master of Disguise is like we'll just do that with the whole canon of great movies with everything which a lot of things have tried to do and it's miserable. Not only movies like there's there's a couple of bits where uh, Pistachios speaks in reference to like madonna songs that bit (laughs) another thing i learned from the commentary track they licensed that song to do that horrible like so the bit is just that as pistachio is leaving a conversation he quotes a madonna lyric and it makes no sense and then someone goes what and then the scene ends and they said that that bit cost seventeen (laughs) thousand (laughs) dollars 
Which I think is one one thousandth of the movie's budget. That's so good. Uh, and it doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, it's never explained. Like, how, how do you fix Master of the Skies part two, right? This is, this, is number, this is number two in how will you fix Master of the Skies. Give Pistachio a fucking reason to make all these references. Maybe, maybe because he's like new and untrained, but he's got this disguisey energy or energico as they call it. Maybe all he knows how to do is reference stuff that he's seen on TV or reference like character, do impressions of characters that he's seen uh, in movies and stuff. Maybe that's the reason for it. Give Pistachio a fucking reason. That's way number two to fix number. And number three, just make Pistachio a fucking guy. Yeah, he doesn't have <laughs> this to be movie like would... a little elf man. Like This movie would be a million times more tolerable if Dana Carvey played Pistachio as just a dude. Yeah. Like don't name don't name him fucking Pistachio. <laughs> name him Steve, right? And now Steve discovers this and like and then he has to a, a normal guy who's a little schlubby, which is all of Happy Madison's characters. Like a normal schlubby guy is called to action when his parents are kidnapped and he has to learn how to make disguises. Well, that's kind of like, the thing is like the characters he plays are supposed to be ridiculous, but half the time they're less ridiculous than Pistachio Disguisey because they can do full sentences with proper grammar. So like, right. It takes away from it. Yeah. Um, also, off of the thing about overt movie references, I am realizing that what happened was um, uh, the director was like, I want to do a, a thing about Scarface. Uh, he can do a really good Al Pacino. What can Scarface do in a kid's movie? And they were like, literally nothing. <laughs> nothing Scarface does can be in a movie. He was like, give him a shrunken head. Make him dance. Like, yeah, they, they gave him a shrunken head so that he could say, say hello to my little friend. Yeah. And the shrunken head is never brought up ever again. I don't even know what that character was supposed to be. Um, I, I got really big, like, uh, Jim Carrey in the mask Cuban Pete vibes off of yeah. it. Um, there's, that's also a, clearly a reference, uh, a thing on here. Also, I'm going to, I'm going to swing out of left field here and say another thing that destroyed Dana Carvey's career is Steve Carell. Like a lot of these characters, especially the racist ones, I got big Steve Carell energy. I got big Michael Scott vibes off of a lot of this. Uh, and I don't know why I can't really give it to you, but also Steve Carell did this whole bit better in get smart. Uh, and yeah. it, it it just feels like a lot of that, like, I'm obnoxious, but it's okay kind of thing is stuff that Carell did better mm -hmm. and, like, grew from Despicable Me could have easily been a Master of Disguise bit, yeah. right? Like, they could be... So, I feel, I feel like Steve Carell, who is much more talented of an actor than Dana Carvey, kind of stepped in and, and stole that. Dana Carvey could have played Michael Scott very easily. It would have been a different show, but he could have done it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that would have been his, his comeback right there. So, for some reason, and, you know, for some reason, the moment this hit me is in 30, 30 minutes in when you get your first brown face. Oh, yeah. And it's um, so bad. It's, I uh, we, we took bets on how many instances of brown face there was going to be. And I was actually pleasantly, I thought it was going to be four. Uh, you bet the under? You got the under? Yeah, I was, I was high. Um, uh, yeah, the first, the first one is definitely the much more egregious one. Uh, 
I think Who? I may have actually missed the second one. So the the first one is a snake charmer yeah. disguise. He has a like a third grade plastic recorder that he plays in the most annoying way possible. And, and a snake that they don't even pretend isn't fake. Yeah. Right. Well, good it's on like, them. Literally got a, a fucking Toys R Us plastic snake. Just waved it around. He they they have him say uh where he's from and it is like it starts he with said, Calcutta and then like Yeah. Am I remembering correctly that he just like he says he just keeps going. He says at, at one point, he, like the guy is like, "Okay, pistachio disguise." He shut the fuck up. He he responds by like a broken uh, machine going India, 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 yeah. India before the scene ends. Uh, <laughs> Let, let's go ahead and for for our listeners, let's go ahead and list as many characters as we can remember. So there is the Indian snake charmer. That's the first one he does. Which, by the way, he doesn't do for any reason it's part of his training so it's not like he has to go yes could have done it's not like he has to go to india right it's it's not like there's a reason for this they could have put literally anything in there they could have been like turn into joe dimaggio pistachio do the character that's in your heart and he's like racism and they're like oh fuck (laughs) um well there's grandma num nums oh also one of the worst ones Grandma Num Nums is the one that broke me. Grandma Num Nums is when I, like, literally when he said the name, I'm Grandma Num Nums, I paused the movie, I got up, and I walked away. Like, And Gra- Granny Num Nums is, like, an old, like, lady, an anti-mame kind of character, and it's him doing Charles Nelson Riley. No, oh. no, that's actually a different thing. Uh, he, he does both Rip Taylor and Charles Nelson Riley. So it's like he's basically doing a fucking one man episode of laughing. Uh, <laughs> right. The other thing about this is, right, like they don't do anything to make the choice of disguise match the scene. It's not like he's like, oh, yes, I will have to dress up as character X in order to get into Y. It's just Granny Num Nums is the character he puts on when he goes to a an like like an antiques roadshow like an appraisal auction again could have been literally anything yeah. he's just making a fucking could've... scene yeah like that's um, all he been... ever does is like all right pistachio do a disguise and he's like i'm just going to make everyone upset around me and it's like yeah end of scene so the second disguise is the turtle man yeah right? because they're sneaking into a nightclub called the Turtle Club. That's a joke. He misinterprets it and thinks that the, it is a club for turtle people or a club for turtles. And his his assistant has to remind him that the Turtle Club is just a name. By the way, there's a recurring, very gross joke with the assistant. There is a joke where like Pistachio just wants a girl just like his mama, uh, oh, and his mama is yeah. played by his mama is played by Edie McClurg. And you don't know who Edie McClurg is, but if you've seen the movie Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, yes, you do, because she is one of the best one scene characters of all time mm-hmm. in the movie plays race and automobiles. She is the lady behind the rental car desk who tells Steve Martin, you're fucked <laughs> in one of the most just perfect Midwestern deliveries I've ever seen. Right. So good for her. But anyway, she plays the mom and the joke is she got a big old butt. Yeah. Right. The horniness in this movie is, is something uh, we need to approach all at once. It's, yeah. I think for me, <laughs> how you need to look at this thing as a whole so i don't know if we want to get it do we want 
I I think it's the horny section. Okay, let's let's run through it. Okay. Okay. First off, let's get into how fucking Oedipal this is. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. On the surface, he's just like, I cannot date this woman. She only has a small butt, not a big butt like my mama. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Fucking right. What? It's like I want to find a woman like my mama with a big, big butt. This uh, the one of the ways line. in the so in the early kind of call to action sequence, the way that they show that Pistachio is really hitting his uh, rock bottom is that he gets cucked by Jay Johnson from Mr. Show mm-hmm. um, with a woman who has a big stuffed booty. Uh, and, you know, that's the uh, way of kind of showing like this is a, a down on his luck character. Uh, I, I think a, a better place to start, though, is the article. Uh, I think Dan read it, the IGN article with Dana Carvey, mm-hmm. where at one point I read it. Yeah, yeah. he I goes. Read, it's a very sad interview. Yeah, it's, it's so it, sad. And the thing that really haunted me from it, and I read it before I watched the movie, was Dana just goes like, "Look, this is a movie that you put it on. The kids are distracted, and the parents go." And they get a little time to themselves, and then they're back just in time. And that's what the movie's for, right? Everyone loves it. And uh, I guess that could make sense, but then that gets confused because the movie is so committed to being horny. Yeah! I think there's not... You could... If you analyzed the plot, the dialogue, even the cinematography... (laughs) The ang- the the work that went into getting shots that went den- down Jennifer Esposito's shirt is insane. <laughs> uh, and and actually, there's one line in in uh, the Grammy Num Num scene that um really just depresses me. I I it's hard to wrap my whole head around. So the whole thing is that data is trying to hit on Jennifer Esposito and that's how they're going to get in. Like anyone mm-hmm. obviously knows that's how they're going to get in. Um, but for some reason, pistachio is just saying like, shut up. Don't talk to her. We don't like you. Mm-hmm. And he says something flirtatious and he butts in and goes, she is not going to have your babies. It, it's like the ad, this Adam Sandler um, approach to like sex for kids, and it's basically it's it's ex- I think it's extremely disgusting and also kind of poorly thought out. But uh, I I also think that uh, someone on the production team has some kind of like breeder fetish, and it permeates to the deepest thematic levels of this movie. It because that, that's not, not that's not even the only time that he references her being the mother of your babies. Yeah, that's true. It that, is not it's said multiple times. It is not the first children's movie to be horny. I don't think it's the horniest children's movie, but it is the most specifically horny a children's movie I've I think I've seen where it is like specifically like all right, butts and having kids. Like they they hone in like you a kid could walk away from this movie and be like, "Well, I guess I'm into asses now because Master of Disguise told me I'm supposed to be. I cannot stress enough how I'm not making up the Oedipal complex here, right? Because the joke should be like, I want a a I want a woman like Mama, and it's it's like because Mama's a good cook, right? So I want a woman who's a good cook. That should be the joke. No, they specifically say 
this woman does not have a big ass like my mom, so I cannot be sexually attracted <laughs> yeah. to her. It's like pistachio. That, that like is, it first is specifically five said. <laughs> yeah, like pi- you know, it, it also did remind me of uh, the animated movie that came out around the same time, Robots. Yeah. Uh, Which also featured a character whose whole entire, like, point was that she had a big robot butt. Uh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and Mel Brooks's character, Mel Brooks is in that movie, was horny for it. Uh, (laughs) And it came out around the same time, and I can't believe I say this, but, like, robots did the butt jokes better. Like, also, a lot of these are jokes that I feel like I, I have seen done closely or better and at other places i don't it, it's... It, it's like like because we really cannot overstate but one of pistachio's first 10 lines is about how he wants to have sex with his mom's ass on a different woman like <laughs> he comes out of the gates he's like oh meet pistachio what what's your deal is like i like to do little characters and also i want a woman that has an identical ass to my mother i'm a little edible hey oh hey like that's right. the heat he comes out of the gate with the, the I would I would say that uh, Jennifer Esposito uh, having a small butt while she's being sexualized the whole movie is presented as just a big of as of a conflict as anything else in the movie. Yeah, like the whole like art stealing plot is just as big of a plot as like this woman has a small butt. You know what's really weird though? Like I kept waiting for it. You don't see Jennifer Espinito's butt. Huh. There are like no shots of her from behind. Yeah. I kept, I'm like, I'm like, all right, you keep, you keep talking about this butt. Let me see this butt. It doesn't happen. You don't see the butt. Maybe she has a nice butt. So they maybe put... her butt was too good for the movie. <laughs> I mean, everything about Jennifer Esposito is too good for the movie. But maybe <laughs> that butt was too good. They, for the movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like. They, I feel like definitely they were like, all right, Jennifer, it's time to do the butt shot. And she's like, I have some fucking dignity. <laughs> I'm, we're going to get a shot of your tiny shitty butt. And we're going to get Dana Carvey <laughs> to laugh at it playing an Italian child. <laughs> Jennifer. That's actually all of that is like against like SAG after a contract. <laughs> Jennifer. Jennifer Esposito went home from this movie and they were like, hey, so how was your day of filming? She was like, well, an Italian child sexually harassed me all day, so... I mean, this isn't what I was really thinking I was going to be doing during when I came to L.A., but I guess it's better than commercials, I guess. Like, because also a huge portion of her character's, like, uh, deal is being uncomfortable with being sexually harassed. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, the, half of her lines are versions of I'm uncomfortable with this and you are talking to me inappropriately and I am not attracted to you. And, like, it's not like, like, playful where she's like, oh no, you get out of here. She's like, you are violating <laughs> proper employee, employer, uh, uh, standards and you need to stop sexually harassing me and Pistachio is like hey oh I'm whimsical I harass the sexual <laughs> there's another bit here that should be funny and it's not and that's the bit of uh, Pistachio is given a a book uh, it's a pop up book that is gives him instructions on how to uh, make disguises or whatever and every once in a and by the way rule of threes folks 
You're, if yeah. you have the book and you do the gag, you have to do the book three times. They only do it twice. Um, you... This movie loves not firing Chekhov's guns. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing, right? And, and the, the, the joke is that every time like, a specific situation happens, uh, they open it up and there is a page on the on the book that says uh, to do that exact specific thing. It's honestly, it's the exact same joke as the joke in Robin Hood Men in Tights uh, where they go, I have to win. It's in the script. And everyone pulls out the script and reads it. It's the exact yeah. same joke. But there's there's a bit where like Pistachio keeps referring to the book and the book gives specific situ- uh, advice for that situation. In this particular case, it's uh, Jennifer Esposito says, I'm uncomfortable. I, As your assistant, I don't want to have to go date a creepy dude. Uh, and then he opens the book and he says, sometimes the assistant will have to date a creepy weird dude. Yeah, and right, that happens twice. They do that twice again. Rule of threes. Do it one more time. There are Chekhov's guns everywhere in this movie. <laughs> They're like rapidly taking on Chekhov's guns. There's just Chekhov's <laughs> guns littered throughout the set. This movie would actually be so much better if every character was idly waving around yeah, a gun just... that never got fired. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll fire it's, this gun. It's so frustrating oh. because that is that is a joke. That is a a bit that would work in a in any kind of comedy, right? That is a good bit. I laughed one time during this movie. Ooh, ooh! I laughed one time during this movie, uh, and it is during the bit where uh, the grandfather is explaining to Pistachio the history of the disguises right before at Abraham Lincoln does the let's party and plays. I like to move it, move it. It's a clip to I think a child playing playing george washington and he's yeah. about to chop down the tree and all of a sudden the tr- uh, the grandfather in voiceover says the statue or the disguises were the first environmentalists like the the tree stands up it's this it's dana carvey and this guy and walks away and says haha sorry george washington no cherry tree for you yeah that was like the only one that landed for me too <laughs> that joke is very funny to me yeah i'm not hard to, to entertain 1996 the stupids came out with tom arnold hilarious fucking movie i love this movie i'm just saying i'm not i'm not too good for the master of disguise is what i'm saying right but i there was uh, it failed it failed on all levels i tried to write down in my notes whenever i thought something was good and actually i realized that uh almost everything i wrote down marty said right at the beginning of the show and he was like i liked all the production design stuff like i wrote down like hey the um the slapping dummy's cool like yeah. a lot of these props are like pretty neat. I actually, I don't think I, if I think about it, I don't think I laughed at any point, but I could kind of point to something and be like, yeah, that's a joke. I thought the physical comedy <laughs> of the little kid getting pulled by the weights into the wall, like they did that pretty well. And I thought, uh, you are the conductor of the potty train. He says, I'm potty train. He goes, yes, you are the conductor of the potty train. Would have been a funny joke without, uh, just the pistachio disguisey voice uh, destroying any anything approaching delivery. <laughs> it just, it just, it's com- it's comedic fucking rat poison. Any any <laughs> good joke in the movie, it doesn't feel like something that makes you laugh. It feels like briefly coming up for air while like you're swimming through a tunnel. Like it's it's just moments where the movie doesn't hurt. Like, if, if anything, because I did the same thing as Max, if anything, it's very frustrating to see things that are jokes, ostensibly, like they have the appearance of a joke, but are not funny or delivered. 
Like, I um, Yeah. Um, so, also, everyone in this movie moves very weird. Did anyone else notice this? Maybe I just had a weird, like, digital copy. But everyone moves kind of jerky-ishly. Like, the, I, the frame rate is almost weird. Everybody moves as if they are like stop motion puppets that kind of twitch at some point it's just everyone very looks weird really choices uncomfortable i, I could yeah possible. i could imagine that could if i had to take a guess it would be perry Andel and blake being like what if we made it look like at the last minute like what if we made it look like a cartoon what if you guys all yeah. act really cartoony and then just like retaking shots and be like can we make it more cartoony and everyone's like we don't know what you mean <laughs> Just like, just like, make this movie a fucking cartoon. Have you guys seen SpongeBob? What if we made it like a SpongeBob? And they're like, <laughs> what? Fuck you, what? man. <laughs> what are you saying to me? It's like, just do that scene again. 9 11 just happened. <laughs> <laughs> We're not. None of us are. We're all going through some shit. Nine eleven just happened. The gaffer lost his dad. Like, <laughs> what are you saying to us? <laughs> do we off of, off of do we want to talk about the weird masonic I- uh imagery i know max like had some yeah, shit on yeah that. okay max so, tell, tell tell us about your your findings here okay well so there was a couple of like like i said like movies and tv is more your guys uh realm i mm-hmm. i tend to be more of a video game guy and don't you fucking forget it <laughs> know your and, goddamn uh, place <laughs> I, uh, so I started to notice some things that kind of felt sort of video gamey about mm. the lore. Uh, so I was looking for hints to that and trying to flesh out maybe some of the systems. Uh, so, uh, obviously right in the beginning, they say, uh, you know, it, this is, I think, one family, one single bloodline that mm-hmm. practices the magical art of disguise right mm-hmm. that implies that there must be other uh, magical arts so i was trying to figure that out we'll get maybe back to some of that later you guys can kind of help me out um and then the other thing i noticed was uh obviously the use of apprentice uh mm-hmm. of disguise master of disguise implies a journeyman of disguise and possibly an expert of disguise and a novice of disguise if we're going by oblivion rules mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. but they speci- always are <laughs> they specifically describe pistachio as a level 1.5 apprentice mm-hmm. so that makes me assume that level 1 and 1.5 are apprentice 2 and 2.5 are journeyman and once you're level three, uh, you're an expert. So then if you ask at what moment... They specifically say that there are 7,000 levels. What? Oh, do they? Did I miss that? Yeah. He was one point... He went from 1.5 to 7,000? Yeah, they specifically say that there are 7,000 levels. Oh, man. Does well, this undermine your conspiracy jump. theory? Well, no. So there's, it's still at some point he would go from apprentice to journeyman, probably around yeah. 3,000, 4,000. And yeah, it, it's still overall, overall within the Oblivion leveling up structure. Right. And yeah. that moment where, obviously at the end, he becomes Master of Disguise. Uh, so the moment that he becomes the Journeyman of Disguise is uh, the bar scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's kind of the moment um, where he gets uncucked. The big booty lady tries to get back um, with him, and yeah. he turns her down. Uh, I think 
Jennifer Esposito makes a pass at him. He's just oozing horny energy. Everyone loves him because he just leveled up. And I would assume Mm -hmm. that Masters of Disguise have to rely on some kind of horny magic. That is what energy goes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, energy energy go translates to energetic. It's an adjective Uh, (laughs) used in music a lot. That is kind of the great thing is like his big like leveling up uh, self actualization moment. It's not from doing disguise good. It's from slapping a guy. It's from getting oh. in a bar fight. Like any movie that did this good, it'd be like, oh, he finally clicks as a master of disguise because like one of his disguises works. But instead, he just beats the shit out of a guy, <laughs> and he's like, I've arrived. Now yeah. I'm good at the main plot of the movie. Right. Yeah. And then after that, all his disguises are good. He's kind of figured it out can we talk about the villain's plan in this movie right the the bad guy's plan in this oh, movie sure. i'm sorry do, no yeah sorry, uh, we can yeah there's the runes in the logo um we can get back to the runes maybe i do want to talk what about is the, the plan very much. Let's, so the plan of the of the bad guy in this movie is to kidnap uh pistachio's dad mm-hmm. who is also a master of disguise and force him to use his disguise abilities to Carmen Sandiego style steal the treasures of the world so that he can sell them in from his underground lair. But the way that Pistachio's dad does this is not like blending in or anything. Apparently, Pista- apparently everybody uh, in the Pistachio or in the Disguisey family can only do celebrity impersonations because all he does is he walks up as a different celebrity and convinces the guards to give them to give him a priceless historical artifact right uh and he he gets the constitution by and in case you were confused about when this movie was made he gets the constitution by dressing up as the world's fastest man michael johnson uh he gets the liberty bell by being jesse the body ventura uh he gets uh the lunar rover by being jessica simpson the lunar how did i not remember this the lunar i do so there's also bo derrick at the beginning beginning, and actually i thought it was funny that a lot of websites like imdb and stuff had bo derrick as top billing in this movie (laughs) which i think is actually correct (laughs) she probably cost more than anyone else i did i did love jesse ventura being in it randomly like and seemingly against his will, because he very clearly has no idea what's going on in this film and is angry to be in it. Like, he's angry at the bad guy, but not as a character. He is literally angry at Jessa Ventura for having to be in this fucking limo. Uh, <laughs> Max, what the hell did you just send me? Okay, so I sent is you the Reddit your... post. I, I, so, I'm, first off, I'm mad because I went to tip of my tongue. Reddit tip of mm-hmm. my tongue. Huge community. And mm-hmm. it seemed like what I wanted to post didn't fit there. So I went to what is this thing post made a master of disguise post debased myself. It got mm-hmm. auto deleted and they said to send it to <laughs> our symbology wherein nobody looked at it. But yeah. so this is the Reddit post I made to try to decipher some of the symbols. Now, uh, I was originally looking at they call it the uh, the ball of disguise that mm-hmm. they get out of the um 
uh, a suitcase, and that's mm-hmm. an orb, and like all the other logos, a big all-seeing eye, a big eye in a pyramid, uh, surrounded by nine runes. And um, I was curious about these runes, because they seem, you know, I was like, are these astrology symbols I know, planetary symbols, are these Greek letters? One of them just looks like the prince symbol. <laughs> oh, shit. Wait, the uh, the top right? Oh, I was going to say the one on the very bottom. Oh, yeah, okay. That- yeah. So that one, I actually tracked down in uh, the the queue with the cross actually evolved into an ampersand. Mm-hmm. I was going off of the lore that Pistachio says he feels so many different people running through him, I think, is how he describes his disguisey yeah. urges, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's almost like there's many pe- many souls sharing his body. Or uh, So I, I kind of thought that maybe the ampersand uh, could symbolize that. That's how... Mm-hmm disguises uh, operate their magic so going from top right you see the um it's not the staff of caduceus but i can't remember the name but it is that's a, a greek medical symbol possibly i think it's the snake descending the pole so that would be whatever this universe's healing magic is um couldn't find anything i don't think for much else right next to the the queue the disguisey to the left we have uh the itchethis the mark of christ so Mm -hmm. i think that christ has probably also utilizes energy co it makes sense sure Um, what if christ was a master of disguise that next one is the top of a pie symbol that's been cut off. Uh, kind of resembles the Korean syllable yo, but that doesn't mean anything or symbolize anything on its own as far as I can tell. Uh, the Z cross doesn't show up anywhere. I guess I really don't have anything for most of these runes now that I'm looking. Okay. They invented all of these, which is insane. I spent I just want to say I spent <laughs> so long <laughs> looking for meanings. Most of these symbols were invented uh, whole cloth, but uh, I was trying to kind of watch the movie for maybe any other magical and- arts. Uh-huh. Uh, anything really. And I was searching because they're the only masters of disguise. There's no other magic really other than like slapping. And yeah, so the, the magic of slapping. Yeah, so I was really so, grasping at straws. So I I think that the big henchmen, mm-hmm. uh, I think that Brett Spiner's big henchmen have to be a magical class, which I originally referred to as henchmen, uh, mm-hmm. but they were actually referred to in the movie as mean guys. So that's what I'll call <laughs> them. Uh, and also the ninjas that show up at the end. I think one of these runes has to account for ninjas. Uh, I'll say it's the upside down V because that reminds me of the Assassin's Creed logo, uh, mm-hmm. which that was actually hard to get information. I kept thinking it that was an actual thing, but I'm pretty sure that logo was invented for Assassin's Creed. It's really, really <laughs> hard to find good info on the Assassin's Creed logo. I, I've had a horrible week. <laughs> <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha
But so I think, yeah, I think that's ninjas. <laughs> and that means there's got to be six other magical uh, arts to utilize with Energico. I was going to edit them down and then you know, absolutely not. <laughs> You know, it maybe makes sense if the disguise is one bloodline, the mark of Christ is one bloodline, so that L's got to be another one bloodline. <laughs> so, so what if? So, all right, if you're the you're, if you're the the Illuminati and you're trying to, everyone's always looking for like Illuminati coded messages in movies. The, wouldn't the best one to do it in be Master of Disguise? Like, people are like, I'm gonna watch uh, Jurassic Park and I'm gonna find a secret message in that. It's like... The, you know, we're gonna see sex written in the stars in uh, in Lion King. Yeah. You know. Like, there's... If you if you look at, like... Uh, if, you, if you decode these things in a fucking... Uh, in The Shining, you'll find out that the moon landing was fake. But why would you put it in a movie that's good and everyone is going to see a whole bunch and eventually decode it? You put it in Master of Disguise (laughs) and it'll be like, hey, welcome to the Illuminati. First thing you need to do, you need to buy a DVD of Master of Disguise. That's going to be like your decoder ring on this shit. Any any codes we give you, put it next to Master of Disguise. You'll find it on the uh, the magic ball and that'll tell you where the meeting this weekend is. (laughs) I'm calling I'm calling that. Uh, I think you've cracked something and we're all about to be now that since we've like recorded this, I know, I'm assuming at least one of us has Facebook open uh, armed, like uh, troopers are going to burst through our windows and kill all of us. <laughs> we're going to get murdered by the Italian Illuminati. Yeah. They were like, damn it. We didn't like, they saw us all purchase master of disguise and we're like, <laughs> damn it. We did not foresee this. We thought we were safe. Um, so yeah, if if you um, if you have any clues, any leads um, <laughs> on on any of these runes, I don't know if we can the... post them up somewhere. Uh, we'll c- catch me on Twitter, chat. please. Let me know. <laughs> I I'm losing my mind. If you can even tell me something useless about any of these syllables, I spent so long looking for that weird slanted M. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't think anyone's somehow ever drawn an M like that before the Master of Disguise. I, the ancient Greeks never did it. <laughs> they did it a lot of Someone's other ways. Drawn an M like that. <laughs> the Master of Disguise didn't invent a new way to draw M. They did. <laughs> you find me anyone else who drew an M like that on Wikipedia? Okay, I'm gonna. I'm gonna find <laughs> that. Find I'm these runes. F- Help me with I'm these f- runes. <laughs> We're putting out a call to our fans to find these rooms. I think this is from Harry Potter, man. Like, I think that M is literally in the title of Harry Potter. That may be, because I did notice that they built a fucking font for this movie, right? There's, like, the Master of Disguise font that the credits are in. Yeah. And for some reason, the O in that, anytime they write, like, a capital letter O... It's like a circle, and then it's got like a little zigzag curly cue inside of it. It looks like Harry Potter's fucking lightning bolt scar. Yeah, and I I, I remember it, noticing that very distinctly. Going, why? The honestly, the amount of things in this fucking movie for a movie that has nothing in it 
Like, it has Masonic symbols. It has, like, Energico. It has a fucking orb. It has all this fucking mythology. That And the entire first half of the movie is just him being like, all right, we got another mechanic to explain. All right. And, and Dana, none of it pays off. And Dana Carvey is like, can I just be a guy that puts on masks? And they're like, no, no, you need to master a force mechanic and understand mana, uh, mana rules <laughs> so that you can do an improvisational character. Like, and literally, literally 0% of it pays off in the final scene. He rescues his dad from being brainwashed into thinking he's Brett Spiner. Yeah. That's a fucking plot point. Uh, by putting underwear on his head like he used to do when he was a child. Right, yeah. right. A nice, remember me, Dad? Remember the good times? And it was a callback to he uh, loved to put underwear on his head. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, and then they fi- they also finally get the, uh, the last uh, artifact back from Brent Spiner by dressing up as President Bush and then slapping him in the face. Y- like, yeah, yeah, which, like, and the President Bush thing is neither condemning nor endorsing George Bush. After a certain point, it's just like, hey, I'm George Bush. I'm going to do a backflip. It really, it literally is just like George Bush exists. Yeah, which, like, you know what kids fucking love is to be reminded that the president of the United States exists. Like, which, uh, and let's be clear here, right? Because I was just looking at this for political reasons. Like, prior to nine eleven, mm-hmm. it really did look like George W. Bush might be a one-term president because his ratings were down and everyone did kind of think of him as, like, a laughable buffoon, you know? Uh, and so now imagine it's 2002 and you've got that, like, weird cognitive dissonance going on. Uh, like, oh, yeah, there's a laughable buffoon who is also keeping us our freedom safe from terrorism. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's the climax of the movie. But also there's no... There is no reason given for him to be dressed as George W. Right. Bush. He's dressed as George W. Bush to kick a guy into a pool. Like, yeah. the, well, they're, they're, I think, I can't remember where it was said, if it was the commentary track or the interview, but he does say that they just filmed that so that he could do, they needed a scene for him to do his W impression. Because I think he had really established himself on the HW impression. And, yeah. uh, and, he thought it was at, what the at, people wanted. At that point, he's getting his ass kicked by Will Ferrell. Yeah. In, in the W it impression. It wasn't a good W impression, right? really. It's not a good W no, impression. Like, it, like, can we maybe talk about that as, like, everyone's like... None of his impressions are particularly no, good. Everyone's no. like, well, they had to do this movie to, you know, emphasize Dana's amazing ability, his chameleon-like ability to become anybody. No, like, it's... Not too close and definitely joyless. Like definitely God, not entertaining of any of them. And and guys, and, and some of them are the most basic. Oh, I could. I, that that was a weird. Like was, that went a weird. Like uh, Louis Armstrong impression. Yeah. In, but like, it's it's so weird because anyone can do an Al Pacino. Just go. Hoo-ah! <laughs> yeah. He did do that. He opens that with okay, a apparently sh- anyone but me can do an Al Pacino. <laughs> he he opens with a Shrek impression, and it is. Again, another worst, middle finger to Michael Myers. It's the yeah. worst Shrek impression I've ever heard. Like, yeah. it does, it sounds nothing like Shrek, which I don't know if it was intentional, but hearing someone do a failed Shrek impression is agonizing. It really felt like if, if we had let it go on long enough, you would have gotten a my wife. Yeah. 
like a, a Borat one would have been next, right? Because it's just again, it's just impressions it, everyone fucking does. Oh, that makes me look- actually think that of an extremely like postmodern and tired uh, Master of Disguise two in the year twenty twenty, where he's just like running through all the references since the first Master <laughs> of Disguise. <Yeah. laughs> it's like three hours long. I think that what could if, be really good. What if there's still like four, like five years too late? He's like, "Hey, I'm Justin Bieber," and everyone's like, "What?" Right. Like <laughs> we've been complaining a lot about having to watch this movie but part of me feels like we may have invented a new form of entertainment (laughs) like okay i'll I'll get into this a little bit is that i kind of feel like there's a uh, disparity in the clicks of comedy especially with adam sandler i think being considered uh lowbrow and i think Mm -hmm. probably a lot of the people that dana carvey had the pleasure of working on the dana carvey show with probably thought like less of him for yeah. for doing Adam Sandler joints, and uh, I I think he burned a lot of his bridges there, and I think that that kind of SNL, but I would also say like Second City crowd, um, mm-hmm. which is like a little bit more elite in the SNL bubble. Um, they probably thought they had good reason to kind of laugh at Dana Carvey. And, you know, point at him and think that they were better than him. Um, but I find all, all that, like, all a lot of their shit uh, really just depressing. And a lot of their comedy is just a slog. And a, a, a lot of their yeah. instincts I hate and their politics I hate. And... Uh, I don't, who are we talking about? I, I, I don't know. The, kind of the vague Second City um, to SNL I'm... pipeline of that era I, I, i'm having I, trouble pulling any names like i guess like steve colbert steve carell um i'm looking up like Louis uh like ck was on um dana carvey show but he's sarah kind of silverman like, yeah mm-hmm. that whole sphere right yeah, right. yeah. i All think right. he was so like the the, the the non-snl gen xers okay yeah 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 and it's I, like i think Amy Poehler is Ooh. is a Second City person. Yeah, Will Arnett's one of them. Tina Fey was uh, the very oh, smarmy, no. mm-hmm. uh, like sort of uh, SNL area of like like the very like like the the push up the glasses do a witticism thing, right? But Fallon, Fallon's probably yeah. the big one, right? Yeah, and like, uh. I think we've seen that, like, kind of the whole comedy industry from this era has so many crimes to answer for. Mm-hmm. Like, with Scrubs, be, like, quietly being like, hey, we removed all three of our blackface episodes from yeah. streaming services. Everyone's like, really? You did it three times? <laughs> um, it's like, there's, I, I, there's, I, I this, think... there's this idea that you can laugh at Dana Carvey for this movie, but, like, five years later... What's Mike Myers doing? What's the next movie we're all going to watch together? The Love Guru. Oh, yeah, that's true. It Eventually... was five years off. Dana Carvey was just ahead of the curb doing weird brownface shit. Uh, yeah. By by a couple of years. And Mike Myers just needed some time to catch up and let those instincts out. <laughs> is it better to have... Because, yeah, basically, Mike Myers is in the same gutter as Dana Carvey now. Um, is it better to have just been Dana Carvey the entire time or to have been at one point 
like making Austin Powers and shit and then have that fucking meteoric downfall. It's still better to be Mike Myers. Okay, fucking Austin Powers. Are you funny, baby? Mike Myers at his lowest, his his floor is still higher than Dana Carvey's ceiling. Yeah. Right. Is that right. true? I haven't actually watched the Dana Carvey show, but like Dan was saying, it gets. I hear it's like. Everyone says it's great. Yeah. I think it's but like. Then again, I, I, I also, when it comes to comedy, a lot of stuff that is. I, I feel like I'm one of the lowbrow guys when it comes to comedy. A, a lot of like real popular comedy stuff I don't get into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you, you did not care for I Think You Should Leave. I did not like I Think You Should Leave, uh, even though I'm the one who referenced <laughs> it in this episode. <laughs> Um, I, I appreciate that you got to the last episode of it that you really powered through before deciding yeah. you didn't. Like I it. tried, man. Yeah, no. I, I generally I, find comedy to be a slog. I watch more, much more YouTube these days than I do scripted or like stand-up comedy. If someone invites me to an improv show, I, I, it's a grudge. No. Like, why would I you ever hold. do that? It's actually very weird that Dan and I have, like, any sort of comedic rapport whatsoever, because we have very different senses of humor. Mm, yeah. Like, we laugh at very different things. Um, I want to bring us back to Master of the Skies real quick, because I want to talk about the fact that for a, a period of time, thanks to Mr. William Smith of Philadelphia and Bel Air, uh, there was a period where all movies mm-hmm. had to have a rap song. <gasps> detailing what happens in the movie sure okay it makes sense i was a big fan of that master of disguise has three three how many total songs does master of disguise have it has like three raps and i think is it six because it has like at least two pop songs uh it, it it's in it's in the wikipedia page real quick one second uh there is uh, vitamin c did a song of Vi- graduation vitamin c is on there like a destiny's child song is on there uh, Miami Sound Machine is down there because uh, Conga shows up for a f- a five seconds. So there are two songs. There are two rap songs. They are M-A-S-T-E-R part one and two. <laughs> and then, yeah, Vitamin C has a Master of Disguise song. Yeah. Not really, like, as... I wouldn't say they're too heavy on the plot details because they really don't exist. Uh, I'm sure no one knew anything about the movie. I think I had the lyrics up, and I was like, this will be fun, and they're just not. There's just not even a joke. It's, like, it's it's just basically them saying, like, he's the master of disguise. The master of disguise. Like, it's just <laughs> that over and over again. I'm, tr- I'm trying to Google it, but all I'm getting is a, a, a lazy town bit. Like, oh, yep, that oh. comes up. Like, half the jokes are also just, like, we play a pop song that we're pretty sure you kids will like. Like, like there's the I like to move it, move it one. The The movie relies so much on music, but it is insane how much they invested on original music about the fucking... <laughs> like, they, <laughs> there are, like, three separate montages, and they each get their own pop song. Right. Like, I know at least one of them has, like, a really, uh, like, a big video that I don't think is used in the after credit stuff or at least it wasn't in the cut i got from youtube uh so that was just like promotional material like they yeah they there's so many places in this movie where they spent a lot of money that i'm still kind of surprised that it's shitty and had such a low budget because it seems like they were trying to waste money as quickly as possible (laughs) i'm looking at the uh the lyrics to the um the vitamin c song okay 
Uh, and here is the first one. So they definitely reference things about the movie. Uh, in a secret world among us lives a special man who's trying to find his role within a bigger plan. With a simple slap of hand, a new name and face, he can make the world into a better place. Uh, and then it's like, who's he going to be? Well, he could be your sister or your mother. Who's it going to be? You can be another. Words of the wise better not mess with the master of disguise. Yeah, that's kind of scary. Uh, it's like he could be yeah. he could be anywhere. He could be anybody you it know. Don't fuck with this guy. I was wondering if it was like maybe a uh a song, like we need to write a song and all you've got is the title Master of Disguise. Uh and here are some quick details about the, the movie. But that line with a simple slap of hand, a new name and face. I wonder if that is intentional because slapping plays such a big fucking role in this movie for some reason. Well, wait, yeah, it has to be, right? Slap of mm. hand, I don't think is a great really? phrase. <laughs> otherwise. Yeah. All right, the slap. Uh, and here, oh man, here, here we go. Here, here's the rap from M-A-S-T-E-R of Disguise Part 2. I'm not going to rap. Okay, um, yeah. Rap, Marty. But... <laughs> Marty, rap. But uh, whatever you do, it's a wrap. Don't worry. It's okay. Who's that? Who's okay? Fine. Shut up. Shut up. I'll fucking do (laughs) it. You can do it. Now, who's that? Who's back? It's not the time to just stop. It's like this and like that. Bye. Let me tell you a little story about the guy behind the mask. Used to get clout, so he'd have to change fast. Learn from Ty Bo to a couple of jazz, and you know he could change in the blink of an eye. Turn from a turtle to a nerdy guy. <laughs> now, tell me one superhero that's this fly. He's the M A S T E R of disguise. Watch him change in front of your eyes. Don't compare him to the other guys. We're just rhyming with guys with guys <laughs> over again. Going against him, dog, wouldn't be wise. He's a crime fighter. Keep the streets tighter. Moving so quick, you can call him Knight Rider? <laughs> That's <right>. what? <laughs> True to the game. True to the game and not for the fame. Come on, everybody. Let's scream his name. He's the M-A-S-D-R of Disguise. Master There's... of Disguise. <laughs> yeah. Just, it's so bad it, the movie does so much stuff and there's and so many of them there's so many done, things by the way, this was this was written by jay boog play and little fizz <laughs> jay boog oh there's so this movie has so many things and they're all uniquely shitty like, <laughs> you may be like you, you may think, be surprised that nobody has annotated this on genius <laughs> you'd think like another a, a, a different movie would pay for one song and they'd use it multiple times yeah. and they'd pay a good artist a good amount of money to make it and it's either like no we're gonna get like 12 different artists and pay them dog shit <laughs> and just fucking put it all in they, they, we're gonna they, get they got the right kids to write three <laughs> contradictory raps <laughs> yeah they have the right to the song conga they had the song to the rights to write to the song Conga by Miami Sound Machine. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what? <laughs> also, no the soundtrack ever... is on Spotify, but they lost the rights to many of their own original songs. <laughs> <laughs> no, one, no one's ever used Conga, to my knowledge, in like a, in like a sequence. Like, Conga could have been a fun movie to do, like a high, or a song to do a, a high, like a high stakes, high speed heist sequence too right you gotta sneak into a place and you're cutting a bunch of times doing some steven soderbergh shit and he's like doing a bunch of different disguises he takes off one he puts on another and then meanwhile you get in the back and you come on baby shake your body do that conga no yeah. you can control your body and that's a scene i would like yeah that's, that's right. a movie i'd fucking love no, but it's al pacino al pacino dance scene and 
in a in a, uh, continuing this movie cinema cinema cinematographic commitment to horniness. Uh, all of the dancers are wearing like low cut golden tops mm-hmm. with visible nipples. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's an extremely horny movie. <laughs> it's just like I don't know what people's deal is with like like we'll make a kids movie. The kids will love it. It's gonna be fucking horny. Like it's a <laughs> weird genre of things of like 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 there's there's like a thing of like we're gonna make a a show or a movie for kids but don't worry it's like the the adults can enjoy it there's adult jokes in there and for a long period of time it was like hey it's a it's a movie for kids uh don't worry you're gonna enjoy it we're gonna get you super hard like (laughs) like (laughs) yeah like your kid will be enjoying jokes you're going to be so fucking horny while you watch this movie you know i never love when people are like uh, you know, it's for kids, but there's some stuff in there for the adults too. Like, I think that genuinely good kids media is entertaining for adults as well. Yeah, and uh, so I think that's kind of a cynical approach. But yeah, this movie gets really c- fucking confused about if the parents are still in the room or not. <laughs> it's like everything is designed to piss them off, and then there's just the Jaws reference, and then there's. Just titties out the whole time or whatever and like shots down. Honestly, I, yeah, I think in the script writing process, they had that like, this will be a good thing for the parents to fuck while the kids watch it. And then they were just kind of too horny and worked up from that idea that it seemed <laughs> into the rest of the script writing process. The most annoying part of it to me is that it's that PG level of horny. Yeah. Like, if they had just gone straight into, like, the mask territory and just, like, even a PG-13 rating, right? Kids still watch the mask. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, if they had just, like, bumped it up to, like, to the point where you can actually do something about it instead of just, like, fucking chastity belting yourself. It's so yeah. weird. It's, and that's that's what I think it... Mm. I, if I If I can sum anything up, right? It's that... The failure of Master Disguise is that it is trying to be one of the dumb but likable comedies of the 80s and 90s. Your your Mel Brooks movies, your parody movies, your... Uh, your Austin Powers? Yeah, your Austin yeah. Powers is. But we were in the Bush era. Like, Ooh. you tried to do one of those for the Bush era, for the weird conservatism of the Bush era, and it just... It doesn't work. Nothing is funny about it. Yeah. Like by that point, we'd all kind of moved on to like weird, cynical, <laughs> uh, postmodern adult uh, arrested development style comedy, right? Right. Like, but also yeah. a lot of the, it's I think maybe more infuriating now because so much of the cookie cutter comedy stuff was so old at that point and then stuck around so long. Like I don't know if you guys have seen that person on Twitter that does like all of the movie lines that you're sick of like lines that Kristen Wiig might deliver in a big movie that are just like oh, complete yeah. filler. Like, did I just say that out loud? And uh, or you the, say uh, that, I say uh, that. Crew of workaholics had a whiteboard yep. that they wrote down, like lines were never going to use. And it was all stuff like shut the door. He's a dead man. Or I just threw up in my mouth a little. Yeah. You know, stuff yeah. that's you like know. repeated over and over and over again and was so old by 2002 it's like blank, and then got blank, used blank on crack what? yeah it's like blank blank on blank crack. on crack on steroids yeah. uh they're, so they're right behind me aren't they yeah 
Like, yeah, yeah, that's a big one. That and, has somehow endured. And I, I think one of the maybe more annoying tropes of this one is the, um, the Gutsy pointed it out the the capable female trope where uh, Pistachio can get nothing done, and then the whole like movie is just moved along by, oh uh, whatever. Yeah, but it does it to like a really exhausting level, like just because it's not like in a fun way. Whereas she's like, I actually am like, like capable. And she's just like, I guess I'm miserable about this, but I guess I'll just do your <laughs> right. fucking job. Like I'm having a terrible time. <laughs> I'll just solve the fucking mystery. I clearly do, am doing this because I desperately need health care for my son. <laughs> but I guess I'll like, it would be one thing if she was like, hold on pistachio. I think I have an idea, but she's just like, yeah. Let's just go fucking do it. Let's just go. I know where the guy is. Come on. <laughs> Fuck. Like, it's so joy. Yeah. It's an insane decision to make your Watson character fucking miserable for realistic reasons. That... She's like, she's like, I have uh I have this uh I'm a single mother, I have a, a boyfriend, I'm and now I'm forced to work for an eccentric weirdo that sexually harasses me. And I'm absolutely over all of it. I wish I wasn't here. And it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this woman's trapped in a hell life. Right. It's a production, yeah. a, an entire production team of people that would just prefer to not show up to work today and probably shouldn't <laughs> have. Our, <laughs> our, 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 yeah, our character, uh, as the audience, our character to relate to is miserable and harassed <laughs> yeah and it's true <laughs> yeah she the the big romance thing is not her being like i suddenly see your value it's just when she like gives into stockholm syndrome <laughs> <laughs> like it's just when she gives up she's like well i guess because the big thing is like she finds out that her boyfriend is cheating on her and she's like well i'm broken i she wasn't even like like he was just out to dinner with the big butt lady. Yeah. But he was he was cheating on her. And she's yeah. just like, my boyfriend was on another date. I don't really have anything going on. I guess the weird little guy that just called me his wife four times. I guess that'll do. <laughs> the little bug I've that keeps saying on... he's going to impregnate me. <laughs> yeah. They get, they, like, they do a joke. It's like, did you just accidentally call me the mother of your child? And he's like, oh, did I, future wife? I'm like, it's, that ha yeah, bad, creepy. Um, Guys, I'm tired of talking about yeah, this. Yeah, I think we're done. I, I think I'm out of material. I hour and a half. Let's make this a three hour. <laughs> so. I just, I, that's the worst part, right? I mean, even though we've been talking for an hour and 45 minutes, there's just. There's nothing here. It's just a dog shit <laughs> film. I do feel having watched it that I can accomplish anything now. Like, I feel like having faced this adversity and come out the other side, like, I could run I could run a marathon now. Like, I got through this. It should be noted, we've been talking about this for a while, and the reason is because the movie itself refuses to end. <laughs> yeah. The movie does not stop, and all of the little clips and things, they use like like unused disguises at one point in time during the credits he just does like a gladiator impression but he's just doing an australian accent <laughs> so is that supposed to be russell crowe i don't get it but the entirety of the credits is clips from like deleted bits some bloopers but also just some 
additional stuff. At one point in time, they just do the sexy robot bit from Austin Powers. <laughs> like, and it's just a bunch of stuff that, like, I guess was filmed for the movie, but didn't get used. There's like three or four other characters that he plays that only show up in the credits. And then after the credits, they do another terribly long bit that involves a, a dwarf in the slapping dummy the dwarf is dressed up as mario for some reason <laughs> yeah <laughs> and there's a dwarf inside the slapping dummy that likes to slap people and he likes to slap pistachio and then there's just like four more minutes of of pistachio chasing this this dwarf dressed as mario around the fucking italian restaurant and getting slapped and then they do the fucking uh ferris bueller thing where they sit there and they go yeah, man, why are you still here? The movie's over. Go home. And then they fade to black. And then, and then the dwarf says, wait, I want to say goodbye. So they fade back up and then they say goodbye and then they fade to black. And then the movie they ends. Just barely hit. You can see how how bad they needed to hit 90 minutes. They needed to be 80, a feature length film. And actually, the... Uh, Dana says that there was no extra footage shot so I think having like the 15 minutes of deleted scenes was always the plan like there's an, just an inexplicable lie. absolutely a lie <laughs> could be absolutely a lie because there's no reason I mean there's no reason for any of this but why the fuck would they build a set put him in makeup and a costume that's expensive. Why would you build that just for stuff in the credits? Like they paid seventeen k for that Madonna bit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I can go either way on this because I will say, why would they do half the things they did in this fucking movie? I honestly like, think like, like day two of script write, someone was like, and the credits will be fifteen minutes long. <laughs> And that was always in the books. And they were like, we just do whatever we want and say it was bloopers. And then they're just like, Bill, I never do this. I'm going to pull the cocaine plate away from you a little bit. Quick reminder, Keenan Thompson appears in this movie, they say, as himself. He has two lines. And it's literally just, look at this thing on the computer. And he gets top billing. He's yeah. like, no, he, great. They, they give him like his own credit bit in the credits. Like he gets to do a little dance. You know how like when some movies do like a victory lap, like, hey, we're going to watch all the characters dance as we introduce yeah. the actor's name. Keenan gets one of those. It's yeah. Like I, I honestly do think that there are like so many of the scenes in this are just absolute abortions. I do think there are fucking like a bunch of deleted scenes of like, wow, Dana ate absolute shit in this. <laughs> like, yeah. were they trying to like fucking improv these? Was it just like they put Dana Carvey in makeup and was like, go, just yeah. I, be I, wacky. I feel like the script for this was very loose. Right. Yeah. Right. Very. Very. Kind of breaks down the like legendary funny man mythology that exists yeah. in comedy. It's like if you get someone who's been on SNL, you just put them in a ghillie suit and they'll run on stage <laughs> and they'll everyone will be dying laughing for an hour and are exactly ninety minutes. It definitely has the energy of, like, a parent that believes in their child too much and keeps signing them up for intramural sports. Like, you can totally, you can play soccer, Billy, go, and then just immediately eat shit. Like, all right, that didn't work, but let's try baseball, eat shit. Like, 
it just they keep being like, all right, Dana, you got this one. Be Scarface. Just face plants immediately. I think we're done. Marty right? looks like, so done. Yeah. I'm. I, I mean, I, I'm. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm. I'm now reading some of the other. Uh, some of the other negative reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, uh, so I'm just. I'm reading some of these. Uh, Alan Morrison of Empire Magazine called it a film about idiots made for idiots by idiots. Uh, but somebody else uh, made up the same point uh, that you did, Max. Uh, in the end, Dana Carvey is left wishing he could disguise <laughs> himself as Mike Myers or as himself circa 1986. Oh, At least then he would be funny poor again. Poor Dana Carvey. I do feel bad for that motherfucker. No one... Has... What's his net worth? I Hold on. Not after We this. can't finish this podcast without screaming about Dana Carvey's net worth. Hold on. Okay. What do we got? $20 million. Okay, I no longer feel bad Suck for Dana a Carvey. dick, Dana Carvey. Yeah, he can fuck himself. Okay, cool, okay. cool, 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 cool. I... Do, do we have any questions that we would like to send to Perry Andel and Blake. Uh, first off, I I think we should we should really clarify that whole delete was the real plan or to fake have deleted scenes over the credit, <laughs> of credit scene. Put that yeah. in. Put that in. Yeah, I I think we should we should clarify or was were it? there or were there deleted things? Uh, that's one thing. Let's see. Another question that we could ask is why Quint? Why Quint? Why Quint? Why? Why is there an extended bit of him being Quint from Jaws? What, it doesn't why, make any sense. Uh, why Scarface? Why that one specifically? Yeah. Why Quint? Why Scarface? You know. Also, this movie does do Max, a you're thing not typing. where actually like, put this in the movie. I can't. That would be like I said. Movie references is the only thing that Perry Andelin Blake understands. This would this would be the meanest email to ever write. I would break it. Yes. I want to hurt his feelings. Send okay. me the email. I'll okay. take care of okay. it. This movie also at one point in time tells uh, tells Pistachio that like he has to come up with five different uh, terms, right? He does the, the reporter five. Who, how, why, what, yeah. when, or whatever, you know. And and I know this because they do a fucking dance like song about it. Like, I, he that would make my like song two and... minute cut of all the best parts of this movie is the whatever the who why when where how song and i think it gets mentioned once after that like yeah i think once they, like pistachio is like okay we have the what where is the who or whatever right, right. and that's it yeah i i fuck this movie i hate it so much <laughs> i i hate it so much i'm i'm so like mad at our patreon subscribers for this i this one was rough. i hope you got your money worth <laughs> you sons of bitches you fucking vultures uh, I, please uh, keep. Please continue to give us money. Please. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's such an adversarial relationship with the Patreon subscribers, right? Like we rely on them to do this stuff, to do the thing that we do, but it also means they want to hurt us. Yes, the whole thing is predicated on punishing us, uh, which is after a certain point gets kind of creepy. I don't. Um, I don't enjoy anything anymore. So this was great. <laughs> this was a lot of fun. <laughs> This made you feel something. <laughs> exactly. I haven't enjoyed comedy like this in so long. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, all right, we're calling it. Right. Like the uh like 
Master of Disguise, this episode has been supposed to end for the last 15 minutes. Uh, Please email me about the runes. Leave breathy voicemails about the runes on my answering machine. We will be putting Max's contact info. That's not a joke. It will be in the pa- the thing for this, the, the Patreon card. So look out for that. Email Max only about Master of Disguise. He only wants to be contacted about this film. Uh, email Marty at Master of Disguise about Master of Disguise at... Marty, what's your fucking email? <laughs> You can reach me on Twitter at Schneider Marks, but everyone, like, we don't need to do our outro. They all already know this. Good night, everyone. God, I hate this. <laughs> Fucking God damn it. Fuck you, Dan. You specifically. It's M A S T E R of disguise. What you put in front of your eyes? Master. Master of disguise.